Welcome to How High Can You Jump? My name is Carter May and I'm a 17-year-old high school junior. Over the past few years, adults have asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? Pretty straightforward question that should be easy to answer, right? Well, it's not. At least it's not for most high schoolers. As it turns out, I've given it some thought and I do have an idea of what I want for my future and ultimately what I'll do when I grow up. So I'm on a mission to learn more. Join me as I have conversations with people whom I respect and admire, am inspired by, and am genuinely interested in learning more about their professional life story. We'll talk about what they studied in college, the twists and turns of their career path, and what they're doing today. I hope their stories inspire you so you have more confidence in answering the age-old question, what do you want to do when you grow up? Hey listeners, Carter May here. Welcome back to the pod. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce Mike Mancini. He was a former punter for the Niners and now is a principal at a K-8 school here in the Bay Area. Uh, he was also my principal for those nine years, so this, this interview is a lot more personal for me. Um, and his transition is a very unique one. So we're going to get into it. Glad to have you in the podcast. Carter, it is so awesome to be here. Uh, just so surreal in some way, having you here at Redeemer, K through eight, watching the success you've had at Sarah and now doing this. I'm just totally honored. Great to be here with you, bud. Thank you so, so much. So we're going to jump right into your, your high school years, your teenage years, some of the most important years that they say of your life, um, went to St. Francis uh, down near San Jose Mountain View um, and big rivalry with Sarah. So we have that there. Um, tell me a little bit about those years where you were a really good academic kid. I know you were, of course, an NFL punter, so there has to have something in there. Uh, so yeah, tell me a little bit about your high school years. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, you did say that. Uh, I was a little nervous being interviewed by a padre, you know, being the <laughs> yeah. Lancer. Uh, during those time, it is competitive now, and actually I do tip my hat to the Padres because St. Francis doesn't hold a candle. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, it was a little different. No, high school was really great. You know, being born and raised here in Redwood City and going to St. Pius, it was my older brother was at St. Francis. So even though I really wanted to go to Sequoia with all my buddies, I went down there. Uh, without a doubt, it was fabulous because athletically, very, very strong. You said something earlier as I was there. I, I sometimes look at where I'm at today and laugh because – I could have been a better student. Of I course. did not put that effort in. So I was not the world's greatest student during those times. I think what changed was that I had the opportunity to play football, baseball there, really enjoyed it, uh, did well, I guess, okay, and then found out that I had a gift of punting a football. So mm. realizing that mm. that a dream that I had had when I was a 7th, 8th grader when you were here was that someday maybe to punt the football for my hometown team. So mm. realizing that, I knew that I had to work a little bit harder <laughs> because in order to get to the next step, I had to. But the commute was great. Back then, the commute was a little longer because there wasn't too many people to ride with. St. Yeah. Francis was, you know, being in Mountain View, pretty far south. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, during those years also, we think a lot about, I mean, occupations. I mean, that's the point of this podcast. Yeah. So uh, did you have a certain occupation or certain thing that you wanted to study in college uh, besides your, of course, sports uh, in mind? Actually, you're cracking me up because we're doing it right now. Uh -huh. uh, as I as I grew up, you know, like any kid, you first you want to be a fireman, then you want to be a policeman, then oh, I want to be a pilot. Course, yeah. And as it got going, as I got through high school and kind of discussing, I went into 
my first year in college with the understanding, which kind of turned that I wanted to be a PE teacher. Now that's funny. I wanted to be a PE teacher. And, and then I kind of pulled away from that when I got to college because I was thinking about sports. And then I said, well, what do you want to do if sports doesn't work out? And one of the guys that I always loved, still do, and just looked up to was John Madden, right? Okay. And just, I thought, how cool to be an announcer, to be at games and doing the telecast mm -hmm. and doing all that. So I changed my major my freshman year, which I always tell kids, you know, I know nowadays it's a little more competitive, but you don't have to do, well, some colleges allow it. The time I was going in, you didn't have to declare. You could kind of figure it out. Okay. So I started taking a couple, you know, a full year of PE and all the classes <laughs> yeah. needed for phys ed. And then I went to communications. And so that's where I was going. I, I, I got my, uh, degree in communications with an emphasis in radio television. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so yeah, a lot goes on with like high school athletes and stuff like that. Especially these days, I see a lot more kids getting, you know, 30, 40 offers from tons of different schools, PAC 12, all that kind of stuff. Um, how, what was the recruiting process like when you were in high school back then, especially like as a punter. Sure. You know, it's different for special teams. Well, so. in fairness to everybody listening, I, there is no doubt. If nobody knows, I don't have a problem. You know, just turning 60 years old, we could rewind the tape a while. That's It's been a few <laughs> yeah. years. So when I looked back at high school, recruiting was done at the high school level, which meant today so many kids are involved in club sports. They go to events where they're seen. Back then, the colleges had to come to the high schools. Mm -hmm. So how did that happen? The coaches had to fill out cards to say, hey, I have somebody you should look at. Mm -hmm. And that was really up to your head coach. If the head coach wasn't someone that was really into that, you hoped that a scout was in the area and heard about or went to a game because they were recruiting somebody else and then saw you. And so during that time for me, that was a lot of what was taking place. Punters aren't normally, and I would even say today, the kicking game is not something that schools go crazy and are really, really recruiting. Mm -hmm. They normally fall upon that. They go, hey, that guy can kick a ball. Mm -hmm. Let's find out more. So so that was kind of it. Uh, Fresno State was not something I was thinking about. Boy, <laughs> um, born and raised around here. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this because, you know, I follow the Cardinal and I love Stanford. But I was kind of a USC guy because I'd watch. Oh I gosh. know do you believe that. You I was, and Jeff Barry. I oh know. No, goodness. can't compare me to Jeff. But that's it. But we laugh and and I always saw them on the Rose Bowl and said, "I want to punt there." Yeah. Uh, so it's just amazing how 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 God made these turns work. Super cool. So Fresno State. I mean, uh, just out of pure curiosity, real quick, how many offers could we say that you had, and what other schools were they to? Great question. Now watch this. Fresno State was not the first launching point. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was out of there, you know, at that time you didn't get offers like you hear today. Mm -hmm. Kids are pre-signing or they're pre-committing. Um, I had two schools at the time that, that had talked to me. SC had come down, USC, and talked to me. Uh, they had mentioned that they, you know, they wanted me to walk on uh, and be a part of it. They already had a punter that was there. Uh, but it, that just didn't, you know, at that time, um, you know, private schools were expensive and I was just like, eh. um, didn't really hear much else from a lot of others. Heard one from Florida State University. I didn't know football at the time. <laughs> I did not know college sports. And I was like, I'm not going out to Florida. What's Florida wow. State? I know. And wow. so here's Bobby Bowden, that group. So just the knowledge of today, you know, when you look at media and what kids can see, what y'all can see, ESPN, everything that wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So 
obviously ACC sports, Florida State's not televised that much. So it kind of fell through a little bit. And, and we had a day where we were going up to San Francisco State University. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, hey, anybody wants to come up? The football team, Vic Rowan, had seen me. I went up there. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So I decided, it was a Division two. I said, yeah, I'm going to play here at San Francisco State. Wow. So that's what I did my first semester. I played football for the Gators, uh, got to play a lot of fun places, and wow. it was just a different, different environment, playing D2 first. Super, super fun. So, I mean, once you got to Fresno State, um, you're out of high school now, mm-hmm. you know, away from the parents. You yep. got your little bit more of uh, your own, uh, you know, confidence. And mm-hmm. uh, right when you got there, did you... Like you majored in communications. Did you meet people right off the bat? Were you in any Greek life? Did you do any different kind of unique extracurriculars that not a lot of people do? Those are great questions, man. Those are awesome. Yeah. You know, when I was at San Francisco State, my girlfriend at the time, I know you guys will love hearing this, (laughs) uh, who has now been my wife for 37 years. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend, Lisa, was down at Fresno. She was on a track scholarship, ran sprints. Mm -hmm. So I went down to see her. That's what got me to go down there. So when I went, I was going January of my freshman year. When I got down there, one of the things I already knew, which is kind of tough, is I was going to have to redshirt no matter what. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, transferring from a D2 to a D1, you had to. There was no portal. There wasn't anything. You had to redshirt. So um, did a lot of other things. So yes, I did pledge the the Greek life and pledged at Theta Chi. There we go. Started to go through it and, you know, had to do all the Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, <laughs> yeah. Zeta, you know, did all of that. Uh, got right kind of to the uh, the tough week, you know, the hell week, they said. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. I was in a cool, all the football guys were in the dorm. And so I, I I didn't do it. And it was really funny because uh, a guy that I knew when I went to St. Pius, who was my track coach, Dave Krievelt, who, who is since in heaven, uh, Krievelt's trophy shop, his brother John owns okay. it, but Dave's the one that talked me into doing it. So I, I had that, but I was involved in intramurals, doing all that stuff. It was really cool. Yet still training, practicing every day during the spring and fall, even though I knew I couldn't play in a game. But yeah, I've, I was loving college life, <laughs> especially as you said, three hours away from home was kind of cool. It was far enough yeah, yeah. to be like really independent. Mm-hmm. And then none, none, all the all the kids today, the seniors, all you guys go. Mm-hmm. And But but close enough that when you get homesick and or at least you need some real good food, you could get in a car and go home. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, and then, yeah, tell me about, you know, the game, the game where a punter won MVP. I've heard that so many times. Wow. And I really would just love to hear it because I heard you guys just destroy the team. Thank so. you. Yeah. Uh, it, it, one of those kind of moments that that I'll even, you know, now being as old as I am, being a head coach at a high school, yeah. understanding the game, being a part, it was one of those things. It was my senior year, 1985. It was the California Bowl, which has rotated into a lot of things like the Holiday Bowl it's turned into. But at that time... It was the uh, Pacific Athletic Conference against the Mid-Americans. So it was us against Bowling Green. We were the only two that year, uh, were the last two teams in the nation that were undefeated in D1. So obviously it was supposed to be a big game. It was a great game. Uh, I, I get into the game. And the first punt I have, I'm punting inside the 50. So I've got a, at that time we called Coffin Corner. There wasn't this you know, a lot of the pooching kind. So I knew I had to pin him inside. So the first pun I hit goes out of bounds at the three. Wasn't real long, but it was dead on. So here our defense comes in, one, two, three, stops them, they kick. 
we score. Then the next time I do. So my first five punts went out of bounds inside the 10 yard line. Wow. And then after that, I hit a couple bombs. So I had like nine punts for almost a 50 yard average. And even though the football team, even though we won (laughs) 51 to seven ESPN at that time said, this is the guy. So they gave it to me. And that's probably been the funniest thing. My head coach who, uh, Jim Sweeney, who was like a second dad to me. Um, I remember after the game goes, MVP? <laughs> Who the heck voted you? And we yeah. laugh about it, but it was. It was quite an honor. Pretty cool. That's a good time. Wow. Um, so, yeah, you f- finished college. Um, <clears throat> I I think I'm aware that you went straight to the NFL, if if not, yeah. correct me. But, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah. Is it, is it kind of like, would you consider it in the same way of kind of high school to college, or is it? just way more out of the blue. Like you're getting drafted, you're going to the NFL. Yeah. For me, you know, realizing that at that time there weren't 32 teams in the NFL, there were only 28. Not every team is looking for a punter. They have it. They have it. Uh, You can think of how many division one, division two, division three schools there are in the nation. I realized that, you know, just having an opportunity and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that a dream of mine in the seventh grade of being able to punt one game. It's all I wanted to do, wearing a 49er uniform. Their camp, a lot of people don't know, their training quarters were right over here in Redwood City, right where Red Morton is. And so I used to grow up as a kid looking over the fence. So as the senior year ended, my my head coach was the special teams coach at the Oakland Raiders before coming to Fresno. Mm-hmm. So Coach Sweeney knew that I had the ability it was whether or not I was going to get the fair shake. And I think for a lot of the kids today and a lot of the, you know, the seniors and people moving on to college, the difference from college, even D1 to the NFL was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Way easier going high school to college. And the only reason why I say that, it's the speed of the game. And it's no longer it's no longer fun. It's not a game. It's mm-hmm. a business. Yeah. And I think that, um, y- you know, you come out of the rah-rah college and realize – no, it's a business. So um, I thought I was going to get drafted. There was a lot of talk. I had a lot of teams looking at me. They came out to Fresno. I was doing kicking uh, drills for all different teams. They had their stopwatches, doing everything. Mm. Um, at that time, there were 12 rounds, yeah. not the six that they have today. We sat. I can remember my parents, everybody, were all sitting by a phone and waiting. I'm getting phone calls from teams. Hey, we're looking at you. We're thinking, well, I didn't get. I didn't get drafted. And so what ended up happening is I signed. Today they kind of still call it like an it's it's an undrafted free agent. Okay. They kind of yeah, use yeah. that. And it was uh Fred Von Oppen, who was the kicking coach, got on the phone and he said, We want you right now. Um, I probably looking back, the Niners had just won the Super Bowl. They probably didn't need to make that kind of change. Mm-hmm. As a young kid, and you know, not I didn't have an agent and doing all this, it was still, I think. There was probably a lot of other teams that had a better opportunity of making the 45-man roster, but that was my hometown team, mm-hmm. and that was a dream that I set my mind on, Wow! and I was just going to do the best I could and do everything possible that if I was released, it would not be because of my performance. It would have been because of situations I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, uh wow. Right there in Redwood City, signed the contract. 49ers. 49ers go, go into my first mini camp and uh, insane was numb because here I am putting on a uniform. <laughs> Little kids are looking yeah. over the fence and I'm going, wow. It's like that was me. That was me. Yeah. yeah. So just for reference, what would you say is the kind of defining point between like if a scout comes out and says, 
wow, that guy can kick the ball compared mm-hmm. to, wow, that guy can kick the ball. Yeah. I, you know, there's so many different things. I think one of the things that maybe hurt me a little bit wasn't so much the ability and the distance and what I could do is I think I, what I do know, some teams were concerned about being 5'10 and not 6'3", 6'4". I think the difference that you're asking is they're looking at the time I was, and I would even say now they're looking at so many kept, they're looking at hang time. And for the, for your listeners that don't understand that from the time the ball leaves my foot, to the time the return guy catches it when I punt it, they want a, at least a second per 10 yards, minimum. Mm. So if you average 45 yards, you better have a hang time of 4.5 minimum. So that was something I worked really hard on as a kid, kicking over telephone wires wow. and doing that. And then how fast do you get the ball off? How many steps do you have? So even when I look at punters in high school, when I officiate and I watch, I can tell. You can just tell by the sound of the ball, by their form, by what they do, where you go, oh, that kid can kick. Wow. Wow. So uh, you're in the NFL now Yep. on the Niners. Dream, dream team to be on. Um, so what were some of those first few years like? Who were some of your like favorite players that were on the team with you? Was mm-hmm. it kind of like reference to Rookie of the Year movie where they looked up and he, he asked <laughs> if he could sign his ball? But um, like who was a mentor? Like maybe not even just a coach, but as a player or another punter on that team? You know, that's one of the things too that you notice I don't talk much about it at school. A lot of kids don't know the story. I just talk about going after a dream and doing it. My dream, Carter, was to play for 20 years in the NFL. Mm -hmm. My main dream was to be on the 49ers for one, two, three, four, five years. Mm -hmm. After four preseason games, they decided to move on, and I was released. And it was really hard. It was the first time, well, first time athletically in my life that I had been told no, And, and that was really hard. I think your question of who were some of the people that, I built relationships with and who are some of the people that I looked at and who's some of the people that said, keep doing this, man. Don't just because you were released here, don't give it up. Don't stop. Uh, Tom Rathman and I, so Tom was a rookie as well. So I got to know Tom really well. And just being around that Tom makes the team has a fabulous career, um, a great, great, great player, but you know, just having those opportunities to, to meet and know Joe Montana and Dwight Clark and Ronnie Lott, Carl Eric Wright, you know, just some really great guys. Jerry Rice was in his second year when I got there. So, I mean, now you're getting, everybody's getting an understanding going, the dude's old, man. So, (laughs) you know, that was for me, you know, when I, when I tell you about that and yes, would I have loved it to last one, two, three, four years at that team? Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But really the most important one, was uh, I know your your listeners can't see it, but the black and white picture that sits over there. Mm-hmm. My first punt in the NFL was all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just wanted against the Raiders on that Sunday mm-hmm. was to punt a football and have my parents and everybody be able to go awesome. And so there were a lot of cool feelings, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, there was more to that too. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So that's great. Um, you're you're in. In the in the league for those four preseason games. After that, who who picked you up? Great call. So then I started to learn the life of the life of not a really high draft pick person, mm-hmm. right? So the free agency life. So I get released uh, from Rockland. I'm really, you know, a lot of questions. How come? Didn't make sense. I, I beat. I was beating out the other punter statistically. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of things. Just decisions. By the time I made it home to Redwood City, uh, Lisa and my mom 
were standing out in front. Dad was at work, and they had a bag packed for me. I hadn't even gotten back from Rockland, and Dallas Cowboys had picked me up and wanted me to go out to Dallas for a camp to kick. Wow. And so then you're on a plane. You go out to Dallas. The next day, you punt with eight other punters out there. Had a chance to meet Tom Landry, <laughs> and then you learn about the business. Tom Landry comes, talks with me, says, if our punter doesn't do well today, he'll be gone. You'll be in. If he does good, we're going to keep him. Well, so now you're watching TV, hoping the guy doesn't do well, yeah. somewhat, but he does well, so then I'm back. Then I get home. A week later, I'm off to Seattle. Then I'm back again. So I wow. began doing this, what I used to call the yo-yo of free agency, back <laughs> and forth, back and forth. And so uh, that's what happened. Then I got an opportunity to coach at Sequoia. A buddy of mine said, hey, they're looking for somebody to do quarterbacks and stuff. You want to do it? And so while I was doing a bunch of different jobs still, not knowing what my career was leading me to, mm-hmm. I did that. Yeah, that's that's a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, it ends right there. Uh, so after after the NFL, you know, you're probably thinking about a different career. Right. You, you mentioned that you, you picked up that job as a football coach at Sequoia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you needed like a steady, steady income, yep. correct? So what was your idea after NFL? After NFL, wow, my idea was my my degree. It was I'm going to work on CBS and I'm going to be John Madden doing it. And so while I was in college, I did an internship at a a television station, KMPH Channel 26. It's like our Channel 2, our KTVU. Um, But I'd already been gone, didn't really go back. So I was doing everything. I was a bank teller. I worked in a lumber yard. I worked at a... Um, I, I had all different, I drove a beer truck. I mm. did all different kind of things, just got married. So now all of a sudden, and then even when you talk about it, so yes, I did spend three years in the NFL mm. because I did that year. Then I was signed by the Detroit lions and then the strike happened. And then I do a little bit of fun stuff there. Then I get released. Then I'm picked up the following year by green Bay. At that point, my dream was still to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, uh, the fourth preseason game at Green Bay, and the head coach, brand new, Lindy Infante, said, hey, here's the situation. If Don Bracken does better, he signs. If you do better, you sign. I had the greatest game probably of my NFL career, um, just punting. And the next morning there was a knock at the door. I really don't know why. And so here's what leads Carter to, well, like, how did you know what you were doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to the airport at Chicago, kind of bummed, got cut for the third time in my life, kind of going – all right, God, where are you leading this? This is nuts. And there was a family that was at the airport while I was waiting to get on that was from Redwood City. And they looked at me and said, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be punting? (laughs) And I just went, oh. And they said, well, you know what? Maybe God has different plans for you. And I think at that time, I kind of went, okay. Came back home, went back, got my teaching credential, and realized that I wanted to, because I loved coaching. Mm-hmm. So then I get the head job in 1990 at Sequoia, get my credentials, start doing some of that. And then the rest kind of takes care of itself as I move forward going into Redeemer. And then, yeah. That's crazy. That just gives me chills, honestly, because <laughs> been been a mentor for me over these past, mm-hmm. I don't know, what, how long have I been alive? 18 <laughs> years. There we go. Wow. Um, so tell me a little bit about like your passion? Like, did you have a certain passion for teaching, coaching that you didn't know until that 
little family from Redwood City on the plane. Yeah, opened opened you up to. Well, you know, I think I think I did. Uh, maybe subconsciously, being at Fresno uh, for the first time and, and and being involved and Coach Sweeney having me be the third string quarterback, and then just that kind of stuff and watching how he did things and how he coached. I thought this is awesome. I, I, I began going, yeah, I think I could do that. Hmm. That's cool. Still not there, but in the recess of my mind going, yeah, I could do that. Then when every, then that first year after the Niners and I went to Sequoia and I worked, uh, it was great, man. We went to the stinking CCS championship game on Thanksgiving (laughs) day and lost on a field goal. But you know, what was so cool is I really enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed being around players and Mm. young kids and just the rah-rah. So once the NFL career ended, I realized I would really, the TV thing kind of went, nah, I want to, I want to coach. I want to do this. And so that stepped up to okay, how do you, you can't just be a walk-on coach. It's a little harder. I did for a little bit, started working my way into that. But yeah, that became a true passion. Wow. There we go. Um, I mean, so we're here right now. We're at Redeemer. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the story, the origin of Redeemer, because I have looked everywhere to try to find history of Redeemer and it is difficult. I found a Mm -hmm. Spectrum article, but besides there, there we go, right there. <laughs> All right, so yeah, tell yeah. me, tell me about that that storyline so far of Redeemer. Sure. About me or just Redeemer in general? So let me tell you, uh, Redeemer was the last place I thought I'd ever be. Yeah, teaching, coaching, doing anything. Just for your listeners, the history of by why, how I went from all these places and ended up at Redeemer. As you may or may not remember, I'll just do it for the audience. Mm-hmm. Is that. Lisa, my wife, her grandfather was the founding pastor of Redeemer in 1926. Wow, yes. So now all of a sudden, this place is a little bit in the family as I'm married, uh, a part of the a part of the congregation, leading worship, you know, playing in the band, doing that. Uh, when I was at Carlmont and I was the head football and head baseball coach, an opening happened here. And the school started in 57, but an opening happened in 1996. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, you want to do eighth grade? And I was like, nah, I'm cool. I <laughs> yeah. got this. I don't need that. And obviously something just went, nah, this might be the place you need to be. Mm-hmm. So I took over as eighth grade teacher, did that for four or five years and uh, lost a the principal, Mr. Barons, who had been the founding principal, Gary Barons, mm-hmm. retired. He had an interim guy come in for a couple years and then he he retired. And so... A lot of parents, myself, just encouraged. But my class, my uh, basketball team thought it'd be funny because of the movie The Rookie <laughs> to say, hey, if we win the title, would you uh, do this? And yeah. I laughed and went, yeah. Now here I sit 21 years later. And that that's the in my 21st year. That's the thing that makes me laugh because I think a lot of people that went to school with me in elementary or high school mm-hmm. would say, what? Mike Mancini's a Teacher. principal? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And so I, that's what I would tell. I try to tell all the kids, hopefully you heard that is that the last thing I want any of the teachers, myself, to be is a dream stealer. Mm-hmm. Dream big, go for it. But I, I always tell everybody, hey, I'm, I'm prime evidence. I am right here that the, that the NFL doesn't last forever or mm-hmm. the NBA or the major leagues. So make sure you get an education. Make sure you have something to fall mm-hmm. back on. Yeah, that's, that's great. Great yeah. advice. Um, I mean, what – let's see. This is probably a question you get a lot. But what is uh, – what, it, what have you learned most? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll spin this a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. What have you learned most f- from yourself from these these 20 years at Redeemer so far? Mm. Wow, Gar, that's a great question. 
Like I think internally. Yeah, I think I think trust for your listeners knowing you know that Redeemer is a Christian school, mm-hmm. and I think so often when we're young, we think we can do it all by ourselves, and I think that what athletics brought and what sports brought was teamwork and trusting in a group. And for me, it was just patience and trusting in God to know that it's not going to go well every day. Mm -hmm. And that even when it doesn't go well, you keep prodding in. So I I look at the experience I've had here and it's people like you. It really is. It's, it's the students that I have been so blessed to have a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And so sitting here with you, as you know, being full blood Italian that I am, I'm trying not to lose (laughs) it, but you know, it's these moments that say, yeah, there's no way the NFL could have ever brought this to of me. Of course. No way. And, you know, I've had that where we, it, during the years you were here, I think we had an NFL, we had Bryant Young speak at yeah, graduation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember the students saying, hey, Mr. M, do you miss that? And I went, huh? And I remember one of the girls go, do you regret? And I looked at the graduating class and I looked at the kids and I went, nah. Nah. Yeah. So I think probably over the 20 years is just trust yeah. and let it go, man, because yeah. Insane. Uh, yeah. Coming out of that little emotional part, let's see. <laughs> what is the one most favorite memory from Redeemer in the 20 years? Oh, okay. And I'm, not just because I'm here. No, but here. it is. It is. Because, okay. You guys all out there going, oh, this is a loaded question. He's going to say this because Carter's <laughs> right across from him. But what you guys can't see right now is a picture. I have a picture sitting on my mantle of my little countertop over here. Uh, one of the years, my second grade class was doing a musical and it was called the ultimate superstars. And during this musical, these, each one of the second graders would come out all dressed up, man. And they would do a thing and they were imitating, which was very flattering, a superstar. <laughs> so all of a sudden this little second grader comes out and he's got a cool looking khaki pants, a nice Pull a nice, nice collared polo looking pretty cool <laughs> with clicks around his neck and puts a mustache on. And it is your one and only <laughs> Carter May imitating me. And there I will go. tell you, Carter, those that that memory for me, that's why it's there. And just kind of what I get to do yeah. every day. I can go. You ask a question to pick one, and it's so hard. But as I'm sitting with you, I kept looking today at that going, yeah. wow. It's gonna be great. So uh, yeah, listeners, just so you guys know, I will take a picture of that and I will definitely show you guys. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to switch over to emotional a little bit more. No, I'm good. I'm not crying for you. Sorry. <laughs> so it could have worked, man. Let's see. Um, I really want to know, cause you went to St. Pius. I mean, yes. it's Catholic school, right? St. Pius 7th and 8th. Okay. Yeah. I so, did a little bouncing around in elementary. There we go. Yep. Okay. Um, I do have a question about how your faith in God has like guided you through all of this, this different stuff. I mean, you've, you've done the NFL and then you went to into a career that not, I don't know. It's just crazy. So tell me a little bit about how your faith has definitely changed your trajectory. You know, Carter, I, I look at the age you are and your listeners and some of the, you know, the, the guys you hang out with, at the age of 18, yes, I was born and raised Catholic. I went to Mount Carmel for three years. My parents, my brother went first through eight. Then I went over to John Gill, a little public school right here in Road City, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Mm-hmm. Then my parents wanted me back in a Catholic at seventh and eighth. So you, I think all of you guys know, you, mm-hmm. you know that when you're at a Catholic school, you do the thing, you go to mass, you do all that. It still didn't have an impact. And then not until my senior year when I met Lisa. 
mm-hmm. and Lisa part of Redeemer, and it was just a totally different thing. And I started watching her and seeing how she lived her life and what she did, and went, "Whoa, yeah, whoa!" And then all of a sudden, it just it just changed me. And I think that truly prepared me for the roller coaster ride that life throws at you. And for me, I had no idea that after college, and even college, you have up and down, up and down moments. But really, that NFL ride and having no idea, it was that faith to know that I was in His hands. That He had, as Jeremiah in Jeremiah, that we say, "I know the plans I have for you." And you know, look at you, you know it. So it is. It is so awesome. It's one of my favorites. And in fact, Carter, right before I went to the NFL, I was. even though I was confirmed as a Catholic kid, I got confirmed again in the Lutheran Church as go. an adult. Mm-hmm. And the as I was going, I was going to Rockland. It was mm-hmm. the day I was going to the Niner camp. And when I got done, the pastor goes, okay, you're a member of the church. And I go, whoa, whoa, was this adult confirmation? He goes, yeah, don't I get a verse? Because I knew the kids do. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, I got one for you. Philippians 4.13, mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That has been something for me that I needed then. And I need every day that I just got to remember who's in charge and get out of the way. I think it says there, right? I have something around it says, let go and let God get yeah. out of the way. But that's how my walk has really helped me. And I, Lisa, without a doubt, was the reason that I am where I am right now of, of my walk with Christ. Yeah, no doubt. Great, great. So you've passed everything. Now we are on to the lightning round. Oh, lightning so round. Okay. Is, oh, is this, this you know, Stephen Colbert has this on his show, like, <laughs> yeah. what's your favorite sandwich? And you just got to do yeah. it. Uh-oh. Okay. Not, you're making okay. me nervous. So on here, it's a little, little ambiguous. You know, lightning uh, isn't. Lightning it's, is. It's lightning, lightning. All right. Know? So All right. Uh, first question we have, yep. who is your favorite football player ever? Hands down. Walter Payton. There Sweetness. Go. There we go. Number yeah. two. What is the best game that you have ever refed at? Oh my goodness! This yeah. is like the best football game I've ref. It's fun. Well, okay, <gasps> okay, just for just for wait, reference, wait. how many years have you? I have, have been refereeing high school football for over twenty years. There we go. So, so, so it gives okay. you a little bit of a. Well, my goodness, you know how many games I've <laughs> yeah, done. There we go. The best game. Well, this is not going to. I, I've had some great games with Coach Walsh and Sarah. I've had some <laughs> fabulous games. There was probably one great game. I, I don't even want to say it because Coach Walsh will come back after me, <laughs> but it was a De La Salle Sarah game. Okay. And it was just about the turning point. Sarah was doing really, really well. They had the game in, in the hand, a couple turnovers. But at that point, I could see the transition mm-hmm. of Sarah football. Mm-hmm. So it was a great game. It, I mean, the speed, the intensity, the quickness. So I would say that Sarah De La Salle game, Sarah ended up losing by three. <laughs> but it was such a phenomenal game. Players, coaches, everything. So that might be the one up there. Not not just because of you, but I got a lot. I have some really ugly ones, too. Yeah. I mean, Sarah De La Salle, one of the biggest rivalries in NorCal. Right so now, not even a doubt. Big game tomorrow night, too. There we go. Let's modern go Padres. Day. Take modern out day modern Sarah. day. All right, so number three, we have, what is the furthest you've ever kicked a football? That's easy. 75 yards. Now, now I'd love to look you right in the face and say (laughs) it was in the air the whole time. And actually, it was when I was at San Francisco State, and we were playing Chico State, Mm. up at Chico. And I hit a bomb over a guy's head, 
It landed on about the 10 and it was a little wet and it scooted into the end zone. <laughs> so, so I had 65 in the air with an extra 10 that slid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There we go. So number four, uh, you were a teacher, a little bit more of a real, real academic teacher. So what was, uh, what was your, what's, what's your favorite class to teach? Whoa. Uh, boy, because I do two right now as a principal, I still have to teach. And mm. so I've been teaching a public speaking class, which obviously you know you <laughs> did. And I love, uh, obviously you're, everybody's going to know I don't have a problem talking. I really love watching students get up and watch that fear go away. For mm-hmm. some kids to get up in front of a group of people and talk, it's like, <gasps> and just to watch them grow. So I would definitely say my public speaking class, especially eighth grade, as I've seen how far they've come and where they're at. I do teach an algebra class. You know, it's fun. I enjoy it. But it would be eighth grade public speaking. Great, great. Uh, so the the final question here Uh-oh. on this lightning round, what do you do in your free time? I am an avid, whoa, you're close, so it's gotten better. Uh, I am an avid fisherman beyond and love to do that. And so anytime I can fish is great. Uh, the other thing that's huge is uh, Lisa and I love to play golf, mm-hmm. and we play all the time. So, great. yeah, it's fishing and golf. Golf is probably right up there with it. There yep. we go. Great. You passed the lightning round. I did. Thank sure. the Lord. All right. So, the, the final question that we have here on How High Can You Jump podcast, kind of our, our key keynote question mm-hmm. for all of our listeners, is knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Feel free to take your Don't, time on this. I know. You know what? You know, Carter, because I've had, I've had parents ask me that. I've had mm-hmm. students ask me that because of the experiences that I've had. And I would say one thing, that there would be nothing – I would, I'll tell you what I would tell, Mm. but there's nothing I would change. I love where I'm at. Mm. What I might tell myself is you're going to go through some tough times. Keep believing, Mm. keep fighting. Don't doubt yourself. Just enjoy the ride. Um, Maybe some things about, dude, you probably could work a little harder in school (laughs) and you probably could do this. And obviously to be able to go in a time warp machine and know the certain things, but at 17, Life's not always going to throw you what you think. Mm-hmm. Just keep on believing, keep on prodding on. Yeah. Wow. And obviously, if someone doesn't know, has a relationship, I would say, stick close to God, man. Just keep doing that. Just let it be. Perfect. That would be it. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so, 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 so much, Mr. M. For no, ha- you can't call me Mr. M anymore. You're like Mike Mancini. <laughs> there we go. A little bit, a little hard to switch around. No, I got here we you, go. brother. Uh, thank you so, so much for having to be on this podcast today. I'm very grateful that I could get in with you. And there we go. Thank you. Carter, thank you. I'm totally honored. Thank you for joining us today on How High Can You Jump? We hope you enjoyed this insightful conversation as much as we did. If you found value in today's episode, please consider subscribing or leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find our video versions on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Can't wait to see you next time on How High Can You Jump?